Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Kevin Getz. Oh, Kevin, it's so good to have you back. Part of the show here again. Oh, man, thanks for having me. Yeah, the just like I said last time, the work that you do is absolutely so fascinating to a film buff. I, you know, who can't be jealous that you get to sit in screening after screening with filmmakers and listening to audiences talk about what they enjoy about the film or what they don't enjoy about the film. It's you have a job made in heaven. I think uh, I agree with you completely. (laughs) I still pinch myself when I think about how uh, lucky I am and how uh, I believe it's the best job in Hollywood. And the filmmakers know you. You get to be part of all the games. Do you collect autographs? (laughs) <laughs> I don't, no, I don't. But I do like selfies now. Uh, I just um, was at lunch the other day and Guillermo del Toro came in. Uh, I was having lunch with a buddy of mine. And uh, and of course, I know Guillermo. I worked on all of his movies and he was with his wife. It was at Arts Deli. And I, um, I went over, hey, Guillermo. Hey, Kevin. Oh, so good to see you. Blah, blah, blah. And we talked and I, we hugged and, and I got a great picture. Uh, this is not a, this is not a, um, on camera interview, but I will share with you my, um, Guillermo del Toro, which just was just the other day. And it was very, very sweet. Um, he's, uh, just a terrific guy. Oh, that's so amazing. Oh, that's great. I love that. (laughs) But that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of thing I do. Dude, you're recognized by the filmmakers. Like you're, that is awesome. That is just a great moment. No, I mean, like we're, you know, we've been in trenches together, uh, many filmmakers, because it's their most vulnerable. And remember, before Guillermo was Guillermo, I did his movies. Uh, The other thing is that there are times when celebrities have filled out questionnaires, either trying to be cheeky or because they just did it. And of course, we, uh, our staff is, is, uh, is trained to take those questionnaires and we don't include them in the overall. Uh, so I've saved a few of those and I won't tell you, I won't tell you who, but I will tell you this. It was a, one was a Meryl Streep movie uh, and uh, this with a comedian and the comedian, one of our great comedians and the comedian wrote, um, I liked everything except that terrible Meryl Streep. <laughs> She was just she awful. She needs to go back to Yale and learn more yeah, acting. She, she was just <laughs> awful in the movie. And I kept I kept those, I keep those kinds of things. But no, I don't have autographs per se. I did, I did. I, I'm 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 lying. I did just get Leslie Caron's autograph because my cousin in London, which is where uh, Ms. Caron uh lives, and she's like 96 or 98 or something, uh, he drives her. He he, he has a company, a limo company. Oh. No, and he picked her up and said, "My, my cousin in Los Angeles is loves you. Thinks you're the most amazing." And she wrote two things, and she says, "Leslie Caron," and I was like, "Ah, oh, nice, (laughs) yeah, I love that." You know, it's funny. See what that gets me on. See what that gets me on eBay. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) I would never part with that. I would never part with that. It's funny because I don't. I never did autographs either, and but now I almost can't remember all the stories and all the people and all the places, you know, like every once in a while, my kids will say something and I'll say like, Oh yeah, I met Gorbachev or, Oh, I worked with Kermit the frog. And my kids are like, what dad, you work with Kermit. You're like, like what, where did you come from? Like, well, no, I worked in live television. These people were there all the time. You would, 
You yep. have to tell them where to go and how to, you know, give them the information. So wait a minute, you're putting Gorbachev and Kermit in the same sentence. No, I'm just saying like, it's my kids are, yeah, of course it's That's a, pretty cool. These strange, That's my kids are like, what is this weird? <laughs> it's an interesting uh, conversation with your kids or Gorbachev and Kermit in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like they know, they know that I worked with directors. So whenever I throw a director's name out there, it's, but I, I honestly like, oh yeah, I forgot. I was doing a big presentation the other day for a uh, big toy company. And uh, at, I was trying to make a point and I was thinking, you know, it would be like, it wouldn't matter if you literally starred Pee Wee Herman in the movie. And it made the point. <laughs> and then I said, well, or Judge Judy. <laughs> so I, was trying, I was trying to make a point like, you know, you don't have to have, you know, star number one or star number two uh, to uh, because the property itself was so, you know, the star. Yeah. Right. By the way, I would totally see a Pee Wee Herman Judge Judy movie if that's something you have influence over. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm so there. Is that the I'm next so next Kevin Getz film? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Starring Judith Scheinland and. <laughs> well, listen, I I'm curious because it's yes. Oscar season. You know, I, I think I, well, the way I perceive it as a filmmaker and film goer is that studios know when they're buying and producing an Oscar film. Like they package it and say, this one's going to be for Oscars. Let's put these stars in it. Let's put this storyline together. Let's promote it late in the year so it's uh, uh, ready for Oscar contention. Um, but there's there's got to be a moment where they're sitting down with you in that strategy and saying, Kevin, test this. Are we right? Is this going to be the film that we should promote later in the Oscars or should we do something different? Is that, is that true? Is that how it actually works? Well, kind of, I mean, I don't think anybody goes out saying we're going to make this movie to win an Academy award. I, I just don't think that happens. I think that maybe while they're doing it, they say, this is really special. Except for Guillermo. Guillermo's making every film. It <laughs> seems to be. Well, <laughs> I got to say that it was pretty brilliant for hit and market it as Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Right, right, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, it, to me, you know, there's wonderful animated films, but it is from a marketing standpoint, I would imagine the front runner. Although if you haven't seen Marcel, uh, you know, it's fantastic. Oh, uh, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah. Oh, it's just no, I haven't seen so that one good. Either. It's so good. And, you know, uh, yeah, we test almost every movie. And of course we test movies to see how they're resonating but almost more importantly if they're trying to ascertain like oscar buzz they'll do what we call a critic screening we have something called screen experts mm. and we have critics in new york in la and in london uh 50 60 of them in each of the cities and we from a lottery basically pull 10 to 15 or 10 to 20 depends on how many, but usually it's around the 15 to 15 ish mark uh, of critics in New York, 15 in New York, uh, LA and 15 in London. And that is then we show them the movie and that is then used as a research tool to predict how the general critic sentiment is going to be. Is it Oscar worthy? What categories, what festivals, uh, what, uh, which awards, because something may be more for Golden Globe and less for Academy Award, let's say. Uh, 
It also will tell you how they're going to talk about the movie. Oh, really? We also ask, what are the snarks going to say, the snarky folks about it, so that the publicity departments can get in front of the movie. This was always known as the toe dip screen. So you're testing how you think the the critics are going to cover the film. Correct. So that you'll see if you'll get the right kind of buzz moving forward to see if it can be. Correct. And if there's a problem, you want to get in front of that, right? And that's another really good use of it. And then, of course, we project of what the aggregated scores might be. The Rotten Tomatoes, for example, are going. Are, you're going to have an 85% chance of getting a certified fresh, um, you know, or a 90 plus uh, on those because it doesn't correlate apples to apples because right. we're mostly doing only really good movies or at least movies in contention. So the scores obviously are uh, not going to be as as all over the place. You're not going to have really low scores ever because um, people aren't going to spend the money on the product with not thinking they have a chance. And if they have a chance, they're probably going to be at least over a 50% on the aggregated scores. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Is there, does this possibly predict the nominations then? Like, can you see a correlation between the information you're giving? Well, hopefully you can. Otherwise, that's what you're getting paid for. Well, no, it doesn't predict that. But what it does tell you is that you have unanimous critical uh, oh. love. You have cr- unanimous critical embracement, which then can mean that you are having different kind of confidence in the movie. If you're, um, if you're at the studio and saying, oh, I guess we could go the distance here. Or I hadn't realized just how how this supporting actor's performance is resonating. So we really need to get behind this. Oh, yeah. And then it so it it helps build the case, if you will. But I don't believe sure. that it it it. Um, so that's what you know, it's influencing predict. the dollars spent behind it, right? You can. You know, um, there's a lot of political stuff that goes into uh, in terms of how much money. They're going to spend against an Oscar campaign, let's say, or a, I shouldn't even say Oscars, an awards campaign. Awards, a yeah. lot of, it's a whole season. It's a whole, that's why this whole Andrea, uh, how do you say her, Risenboro? Risenboro, I think Risenboro, yeah. yeah. Yeah, why that was so shocking. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I think that the uh, it's a wonderful performance and it's what it should be about is that, Sometimes a great performance sneaks in there that we didn't know about. Yeah, uh, that's 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 really cool to me. Uh, but she's deserving of it. It's a wonderful performance. Absolutely. Yeah. To me, I, we were asking those questions last week. Of is the system so rigged that they're off, uh, offended that someone could sneak in? Like, how can this be? The only campaigns we're going. This no, way. no, it's not so rigged. It's not so rigged. It's not about being rigged. It's about understanding how the system works. It's a weighted system so that your number one choice has much more weight than your second choice, which has much more weight than your third choice. choice, By the time you get down to a ninth or tenth film, that may not even be relevant because once they fill in a particular um, minimum number of votes that's based on the whole membership of the organization, the 10,000 plus 11,000, whatever is people. Uh, that's why actors only vote for actors. That's why you only needed 200 and some odd votes to be a 
in consideration because there were only, I don't know, 12 or 1500 people that voted. There's five slots and you divide that by the number. Yeah, right. And then yeah. that's the number that you have to be make minimally. So anybody could do that, I suppose. I think more of the uh, question was about the actual quote unquote uh, campaign. Campaign, the yeah. The lobbying of it. Yeah. Uh, look, we all, everyone talks about uh, every movie. So I don't think that unless you're doing something truly, um, you know, breaking the breaking the rules, it's really hard to say that anyone's done anything wrong when people talk about a movie uh, and uh, encourage people to to um, to vote for someone or consider voting for someone that yeah. that uh, maybe they haven't seen before. For example, my favorite movie of the year didn't even get nominated. Oh, which one's that? Which one's that? R R R. What was it? R R R. It's called. It's hmm. an it's an Indian movie. It is. I I know Jason Blum also, and I talked about it. He it's his favorite movie of the year too. Wow, uh, that's great. I'll check that out. Oh, it's no, so I feel like we should get a feed from Kevin of films to yeah. watch. <laughs> well, it's it literally it I'm gonna be honest, it literally was in the first position that I because I so wanted it to and was rooting for it. And it wasn't eligible to get the foreign for some reason. I don't know the rules. But I knowing that my weight that my vote counted heavier in my first position, I put it in my first position. You wow. know, we're not supposed to talk about all the stuff we voted for, so I won't share no. my other nine nominees. But let's just say that, you know, I wanted to give, um, uh, I wanted to give some of the movies that needed a little bit more, you know, um, oh, yeah, lifting, yeah, a chance. But RRR uh, it was spectacular, and it just to me it was the best overall cinematic experience. It's kind of like Crouching Tiger meets rush hour meets meets um like true lies wow really I'm trying to picture that movie in my head <laughs> it is too cool it is really 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 good yeah, and it's literally spelled r r r like it's just that yeah yeah and it's um it took like three years to make it won the golden globe for the song Oh, right. Okay. Now, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Now but it, but it okay. wasn't nominated. But that's my point. You see what I mean? And if yeah. that had been nominated, I would have jumped out of bed at 535 in the morning and <laughs> been like, yes. Um, Kevin, I'm curious. Like, So, you know, obviously the conversation is, since we're talking about the Oscars, I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of, obviously we have a, a it seems to me that this, this year's nominees were a broader swath of from the big budgets with like the avatars of the world, the Elvises, and sort of the smaller movies. And don't forget Maverick. And oh, yeah. Maverick, of course, when we talked about incessantly waiting for it to come out. Um, do you feel that like this is going to, you know, help make the Oscars a little more relevant as it gets close to the telecast? Or do you think that the award shows are sort of just falling off a cliff and it's it's there's, it's not necessarily going to be reliant on what movies are nominated. I don't think it has much of an effect if you want to know the truth, because I don't think, and it may. You look the uh, the, the Grammys just went up a little bit in their ratings. Yep, I believe the Emmys were down and the Golden Globes were really down. It's so I I just think that that it's more of sort of a statement uh, on consumer behavior 
and Mm -hmm. non-watching live television or anything. And awards have been in this sort of woke environment, less of a, um, less of a fun, exciting behind the scenes look, uh, and more of like a self aggrandizement or a mm. self-congratulatory time that just doesn't seem that cool to young people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that, you know, I am completely immersed in the Oscars. They hold such an allure for me. I can tell you that the brand is alive and strong as heck, but it's, it's not about anyone at the Academy, any one movie, it's more about where viewers are going and how they're embracing live shows at all. Yeah, I, to me, I if I were to put it in the my desire to watch award shows twenty years ago, let's say when it was at its peak, it was the thought of having an opportunity to see somebody in a different environment than the act, the role they're playing on screen. That's right, and get and get mm-hmm. exposure to them. There was this moment of like, where else would I see them? I got to watch the award shows. They're all together. Tim, that's a really good point. And that has, that allure has definitely gone away. Because of social media, you see them all the time, every day. Everyone's so available. And and the mystique, the mystique of a star has been taken Mm -hmm. away in large part. There's very few stars that we don't know a great deal about. To, right. to your point. And I think yeah. that's absolutely now you still want to see what they're wearing, because I think that the, the, that is a very big part. The pre-show is a really actual, actually a very important part of the show. Uh, seeing the arrivals in a way that's more exciting than the show itself. Uh, and, it, you know, everyone always says the show's too long, the show's too long. But I don't even think it's that. Of course, it's long. I mean, the, the Grammys were four hours long. And wow. <laughs> uh, we 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 kind of just um, fast forwarded. If you actually saw the awards given out, we watched it for under an hour. There weren't oh, yeah. that many awards actually given out. Yeah, uh, but it was more about the performances. Well, the Grammys—they have so many performances that are all four minutes long. They have so many. All it's all the performances. Yeah, and the, it's a jukebox. The, the mixing of artists. And, exactly. Yeah, that's what they're known yeah. for. Yeah. And I was really only interested in about three of the performances. So. With that and the awards, we we watched a four hour show in an hour. Uh, the the Oscars uh, actually have the, they give out like I think twenty three awards I believe it is now. Yeah, and uh, and I and and I don't think taking away an award is going to affect things, and I don't think uh, adding another number is. It's just what it is. It's it's. Do you know? What I mean, I don't think yeah, we can totally. get. Too, I don't think we can yeah. get clever about trying to predict you know um uh like if we did this that or the other thing suddenly the ratings are going to shoot up Yeah, i feel like today the momentum is do i agree or not agree with what happened instead of oh it's so exciting to see these stars um what a great moment now it's almost um like a scorecard of okay i'm watching i want to see um you know who's winning do i agree or not agree with that like i you know, my one of my kids was just so obsessed with Dune. And so every time, you know, it, it won, it was like he was like his team was winning or whatever. And it became more of that kind of a um, community event. That's interesting. But that's the thing. Yeah. 
I'm so resentful of people in the general public who think that we are some elitist body. We are the people in the academy, clearly uh, chosen to be there because we're at the top of our profession and uh, we do what we do well and we've earned the right through excellence. And excellence, of course, comes in many different ways to, uh, to vote for what we think are the best um, of the year. Now, we all have different criteria about the best. Uh, and so no one is trying to pick little films. Right, right. You know? yeah. and, no one, and no one is trying <laughs> or won't pick big films to say, well, maybe that'll bring back the viewers. Like, that's just not how we roll. I don't know anyone yeah. that. We just vote our hearts, right? And right. our minds. And if, if you really like something, then you're going to, or we're very moved by something, then you're going to vote for it. I mean, that's, that's as simple as that. So when they say, well, the Academy is just, you know, killing themselves when they keep voting for these tiny movies. And I'm like, we're not killing ourselves when we're not voting for just tiny movies. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you think, but do you think there's a, it's not like some cabal. It's not like some cabal. We'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. get together and say, let's really show Let's get together how, and show our teachers the movies that only are. we want to see. <laughs> yeah, we want to vote for, we want to yeah. vote for Coda. We're going to say Coda is the, is a, a nomad land, uh, you know, or, yeah. or, 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 there's uh, some secret social media channel that everyone is getting together on. <laughs> Parasite. We're going to really, we know people haven't seen it. So we're going to vote for Parasite. Like yeah. that's just not how it goes. That doesn't mean that there aren't um, consensus movies because, you know, there's 10,000 human beings who, uh, you know, sometimes it's the polarizing ones that actually do slightly better. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's the ones that are true consensus movies. And it's more of the former in today's world than the latter, um, just because there are not in the pr previous years, there haven't been many sort of consensus movies. Uh, there's a lot right. of small Just individual so movies, very particular movies that have particular tastes. Just the opportunity. Just I, I don't know any. I don't know anyone in my circle who agrees on the best movie. I really don't. I could say that we all agree on five of the ten or seven of the ten, but no one has the order, uh, and exactly that's what right. makes well, it kind of fun. Just yeah. the range of release too. I mean, with it's not it's no longer limited to a few theaters or a few hundred theaters or a few thousand theaters. Even now it's, you know, OTT platforms, the distribution of films, the depth that people watch it as fast as they can consume it. You know, right. the technology has changed in the consumption that we can get our hands on more films to watch. And therefore it even spreads out the likelihood of one film being the ultimate winner. Well, exactly. And Tim, look, you guys didn't even know about RRR. Okay, you didn't yeah, even know, you didn't yeah. even know it existed, and I'm telling you, it's my favorite movie of the year. Right. And so, like, am I trying to torture anyone by, by, by? <laughs> you know, it's just that my job, my uh, when I when I was elected, nominated and then elected into the academy, I had an obligation to see every movie. Like right. that's just what I signed up for, and so. You weren't even exposed to that movie. No. So no. I would take the I take the position. Isn't it wonderful that we get to talk about this and you get to hear about other movies that yeah. you never would have been exposed to? Rather than saying, 
oh yeah, everyone should just vote for, you know, name the, the big right. everyone watched Maverick, therefore that's the winner. Like that doesn't that's make the it winner. the best film. That just means it's the most watched <laughs> film or whatever. Yeah. Maverick, though, happens to be, in my opinion, a perfect film. Well, that's what I was like, but not that Maverick shouldn't win. It is a great movie. It is a great it's just movie. about a perfect film, you know, from an entertainment standpoint, from so many yeah. aspects. Uh I'm but, just uh, uh, beyond beyond a I'm fan. Sh- so, Kevin, you had a great quote in your book, Audienceology, which I, I always sort of think back to whenever I we have when we speak. And it was about how the 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 theater is such a like a way for people to just come together no matter what your political stripe, no matter where you're from. It's just the it's the one cultural thing that kind of unites us. And then it's like in in the, with the academy though, it, it do you feel like there's a split between what the audience is seeing and and liking? versus what the academy feels are good films well that's what i mean the academy is not the academy the academy are ten thousand or whatever it is individuals right and we all have different tastes and and um and 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 films that we're rallying for yeah but we tend to look at things i think that's the reason that we were chosen to be in the academy with a maybe an elevated view of what does make something special and, and interesting and different and and entertaining. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of crossover with the general public, but still there's an eye on, for example, Avatar. Mm-hmm. You could say you liked it, you didn't like it. Avatar has changed the cinematic landscape. Okay, you could say whatever you want about it, but there's no arguing that. It elevated the craft of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. It just does. There's nothing like it. Um, and so do you acknowledge that? I do. I think that it's it's a really important uh, step forward in experiential filmmaking. Mm. And in yeah. a time when we want people to leave their homes to go see a movie in a theater, that is the epitome of creating an event. Look, I watched three movies in a theater this year. That's it. Pay, paid for Black Panther, yeah. Maverick, and oh. Avatar. Avatar. And, I, and we went to see <laughs> Avatar in uh, in not only um, in a theater, but we saw it, of course, in IMAX and IMAX. 3D. Yep. Yep. And I wanted that experience. Yes. But I yeah. can't say that about <laughs> so many movies. Like, I love the movie sort of, um, you know, uh, Living or um, Empire of Light. Uh, you, you know, I loved a lot of these smaller movies but you didn't need to see them on a big screen if you have already a big screen in your home home right yeah i think you're uh the conversation about avatar is so great because it is one of the reasons why we're in the industry we're in is that we like the making of the film and to be challenged and to challenge the technical side as well as the storytelling side and the character driven side is all part of the craft and so for for people to invest in that thought process, because I'd say even Pinocchio has an aspect of incredible technical ability and achievement in how they animated that feature. It's absolutely like it's hardcore filmmaking. Yes, yes. And it, it really is about immersion, isn't it? It's like how yes. much can you be immersed or need to be immersed? You know, a great filmmaker um, who's working today, commercial, very commercial filmmaker said his favorite movie of all times is Jaws. And he said he never mm. once saw it in a movie theater. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've and ever seen. You know what? I've never seen Joe we Dawson were, movie Keith, you were one four. of my favorites. We, don't, we weren't allowed <laughs> yeah, in the theater. <laughs> and by the way, Keith, I finally did because uh, we were in Martha's Vineyard. A few years ago, we rented a house in Martha's Vineyard, and my buddy, one of my best friends, Kevin oh, Kilner, awesome. and I <laughs> had it shown on July 4th with, it was like, it was art imitating life. You went in, we saw the movie. It, there were about 20 people in the theater uh, with shirts that said Jaws or Steven or something like that. Yeah, right, and right, right, yeah. We, then we, they, we, we, we left, and there's a parade going on outside. It could have been a movie. And <laughs> where we were walking right into the, it was crazy. But um, like, I have to tell you, I have never seen, um, I don't think I ever saw like the Maltese Falcon. Um, I did see Casablanca. Um, I did see Citizen Kane, but many great movies. Yeah. Even The Godfather. I think I've seen only yeah. Godfather. I don't think I've seen The Godfather, Godfather I saw in the theater, but Godfather 2, I never did see in a oh, theater. Yeah. Yeah. But they're some of our favorite movies. But I did see oh, Terminator 2 in the theaters. But, <laughs> oh, I saw that in the theater. But oh, guys, man, that was great. isn't it about immersion and what level of yes. immersion you need? Yes. And great stories That's are going to translate probably on, dare I say it, an iPad, and they'll travel. Now, is it optimal to see it in a movie theater with the way in which it was shot? Sure. Yeah. Do you have to? That's the other sort of question mm. that we're weighing now as consumers in the yeah. world like and so uh i'm I've, i'm an advocate of um you know create great content and people will see it where they want to see it and it's mostly a generational thing but i think that's yeah. also a result of the the volume of content being created because i still have a desire to keep up with the conversation what people are talking about i want to uh, participate in the, that conversation and if the volume is this this much i can't go watch i agree i don't think there's any question that if you release a movie theatrically there's going to be more conversation because you're spending that much more money money in a yeah. very short amount of time to create a campaign that makes people not only aware but hopefully interested um yeah. and the other thing is create some kind of urgency to see it in the next three or four weeks you know, that's really how it's designed to be. And so that's going to get into the zeitgeist far greater than something that is just advertised on a service over and over because you're dealing with a very particular population. And it, it doesn't portend to great, like, conversation, social conversation, uh, unless you've got so many people talking about it. We call that, you know, in the media world, reach and frequency. Uh, right that you create that you have to, if you're going wide. And this is why, by the way, I'm a fan of the, your podcast, don't kill the messenger. I think you dive into this conversation a lot with your guests, just the thought process of what the real intention is with the filmmakers and then what it means to get people to watch the films, um, exactly. the marketing side, yeah. the conversation, the exhibition side. And there's some discernment in that process, isn't there? Yeah. Well, it, it, there's so many nuances. I mean, at the end of the day, we're doing this for one reason only. How many more folks can we get to advocate for your film, to be a, an evangelist for your movie, which is really translated in a score called the definite recommend score? Like yeah. that definite recommend score is, is a number that correlates to 
how well you're going to do in the long run at the box office, the legs of your movie. So why would you not want that to be as absolutely high as you can, particularly if you're the financier or if you're the studio, uh, because it just is a dollars and cents game. But if you are a filmmaker, why would you not want as many people to see your film as possible? Now, obviously, you don't want to ever do anything to uh, to to cut into your integrity, uh, creative integrity. But I'd argue that just because it's your creative integrity does not mean it's the right choice for the film. And that right. is where I have the most respect for directors who are willing and open to making changes because and Ron Howard has said it over and over, just because I think that I've communicated that may not Doesn't be what is being communicated. Yeah. And so you got to listen. You got to put your two, as Judge Judy says, what was comes back to Judge Judy? Put your listening ears on. God gave you two ears for a reason and one mouth for a reason. Put on your listening ears and say, yeah, people are saying very clearly that this is not landing for me or this is not satisfying enough for me. And as a result of that, they're punishing you with their score, which is going to, in the real world, translate to less excitement and less business. It's yeah. just kind of a fact. Around so I'm an advocate for that and bringing, yeah. bringing that audience uh, voice into the room. Are you hiring men? Because I would love to be in the room with that conversation. I would just want to <laughs> listen in to <laughs> what that process is like, because it's, it's every part of your brain has to be at work of the analytical side, the creative side, the desires versus the knowledge. And the filmmaker has to be arguing inside themselves the entire oh, time. Like, I, oh, can't, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah. about, but this is my film and this yeah. whole We've like, had, love yeah. affair. Here's yeah. the thing. We've had many, I have had many philosophical conversations with filmmakers. I typically don't like to do those conversations in the company of 15 people on a post-mortem call after a screening, let's say. I'd rather have a private conversation and say, essentially, look, I'm an artist. I'm coming from this with an artistry because that's my background. I'm not coming to you as, as a researcher, but I'm gonna tell you some facts here, right? About this correlation and so forth. So consider, if you will, that you might wanna look at your movie this way, da 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 whatever it is, and so when we go into that meeting, there's a much more uh, um, of a willingness to listen, to be open, because nobody is trying, as I said earlier, to torture a filmmaker. Uh, it's not about that. It's a painful process often because just like in life, when you dash expectations of anyone, you come in with a certain expectation. My movie is going to do this. This is the movie I made. This was on paper. This is what I shot. Big effing deal. It didn't come out that way. Or <laughs> if it yeah. did come out that way, <laughs> it's not what, even that's what you were hired to do, director. It didn't, it's, it's now in the real world or in this environment, uh, you know, you got to shift because sentiment has shifted. Um, you know, uh, movies that were made prior to um, Black Lives Matter, 
movement, Me Too movement. Uh, and then we're shown afterwards that had some kind of questionable material. Imagine not dealing with that. It would be tone deaf. And so you have to be receptive and willing to, that's a pretty extreme example, but you see what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I, now yeah. I'm convinced not only are you an amazing at what you do, you'd be an amazing life coach as well. I'm pretty sure now. <laughs> I'm just you know, signing left, up. I don't know left, what you're selling, but just that's Tim. what his job is, Tim. No, his his name, job is a life coach. Tim, essentially, I see myself in many ways as a conciliary um, priest, yes. rabbi, often because there's no one that has the objectivity. I don't have a horse in the race. Do you yeah. follow? Like, I really don't. And that's what I tell the filmmaker privately and sometimes not so privately. I'll say whether or not you make any of the changes that this audience is suggesting is irrelevant to my life. Uh, I want to <laughs> see you win. Yeah. And I'm going to tell yeah. you, this is what they're saying. I am speaking for the audience. I am speaking for those 350 people that were sitting there on Thursday night or whatever it is. And I, I'm telling you, this is what they are saying. You can choose to listen. You can choose to act on it. You can choose to not act on it. I'm simply giving you the facts. Hence the name of my podcast, Don't Kill the Messenger. I'm just giving you the news. But yeah. don't beat me up because they're saying that, you know, your ending's a bummer and they want it to be more uplifting or it's too uplifting and they want there to be more ambiguity. Yeah. Usually it's the, the the former, but you know what I'm saying. The former, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I, I've been in those screens, Kevin, where you're just sort of like, you know, you got the studio on one side that wants one thing, the audience wants another, and the filmmaker is getting pulled in 50 different directions. And you're there to sort of like take all the, they turn down the temperature a little bit. Especially if there's a debate between the studio, the filmmaker about the ending of the movie, whether or not it works. And then there's this this tension, and then the audience comes in, renders their verdict, and you're sort of there to like smooth the waters. <laughs> well, you know, Keith, that's the hardest part of my job is probably doing exactly what you've just articulated, which yeah. is 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 trying to get rid of the agendas and get yeah. to the core of what they're saying, of what the yeah. audience is saying. Because if I have all those voices, uh, I'm going to do a half-assed job getting that information uh, and somehow biasing the information, the information, you know, I'm going to put my own sort of spin on it. Uh, mm -hmm. And every now and then I've been accused of that because uh, I think at times it has crept in and that's in the earlier years of my career. I don't think I let that happen anymore. I just, and even if I have to ask forgiveness afterwards, I have to do my job and my right. job, as I said, if I'm not advocating for the audience, I'm not doing my job because otherwise, why do I have a seat at the table? Yeah, you could say Kevin's a smart guy. He's done a lot of movies. He has his opinion, but they don't need that. They want to know what the real world is saying. And that's what gives me that, uh, that seat, you that know, that, that, mm -hmm. that, yeah, permission, exactly. Yeah. And why I'm invited to the party, yeah. you know, but I think you're clearly you have a lot of integrity honesty and care i mean you're not i love the way you say it it's you're not just simply giving them data but you're taking care for what the film is and winning alongside them that's your mm -hmm. that and whole, i have a sensitivity these people are working they're giving birth to their 
these children, these creative children, which is what they are, yeah. uh, projects that they birthed, uh, nurtured for years, potentially. And so one night they kind of get the results of this and the rubber hits the road and bam, you know, it's like, that's a hard conversation to have. Like your baby is not as attractive as you thought it was, you know, is a, is a tough one. Especially when some of them have been with it for almost like sometimes even decades. Like totally, it's been, Keith. Totally. They're working with it forever, trying That's to get it made. They get it made and they present it to the world and all of a sudden it does not go the way they wanted it to. And it's just handling that emotion and all those feelings all at once. It's, it's definitely a delicate job for sure. Without like question. any children, you want people to love your baby. So yes, <laughs> when, when you get honest feedback, it's very challenging. Um, yeah. when it, and how to deal with that and understand that and improve it because uh, you kind of put all your heart into what's on the screen. So to think that it needs to change. Go back, Tim, to your parent-teacher conferences and think about <laughs> when you go in there. You mean the ones my parents had to go to? Yeah, yeah, I feel very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, but you're, don't you go to your kids yet or not? Yeah, I have parent teacher. We homeschool our kids. So there's a lot of parent teacher conference oh, happening okay. on my- at the dinner table. It's like 24 <laughs> <Yeah>. 7. <laughs> but I've been in those things and you get defensive. You're like, well, yeah, you, know, you do. Your kid that's is like, true. well, I don't know. Maybe it's because of little Johnny over there that's making him <laughs> be this way. Or, yeah. you know, I'm sure. The teachers not really recognizing his gift of a blah blah blah, you know. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which is all true, right? You do know your kids better than other people, but it's well. A what are you doing? What are you place. doing? You're advocating. Yeah, exactly for, for your, your baby. kids, yep. which is equivalent of the um, of the filmmaker. There, it's it's the filmmaker's job. I don't begrudge them that, but if you don't listen and you don't hear that your kid has this behavioral issue or is really not doing well in reading, for example, yeah. um, you got to listen and, and you can choose not to act if you want and say, well, he's not going to need reading anyway because he's going to be a star athlete uh, <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yeah, right. He you can't can read be his contract, but he's a star, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, my friend, I'm going to tell people where to find you so that when my kids that are listening know where to find their next job because you got to go to Kevin Getz. 360.com to uh, understand more of what Kevin is doing in the world. It is, I, I'm such a fan. I truly can. I, I'll be your intern at this point. I just want to be part of what you're doing. Uh, well, t- Tim and Keith, you guys are beyond terrific. And um, I'm thrilled to be uh, a guest for a second time on your podcast. And I always wish you luck. And thank you. Uh, thank you. Although you don't need too much of it because you got a really fun, you know, repartee between you. We have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's every Friday morning yeah, we, we do enjoy together it, yes. and talk about movies. So I'm pretty sure our wives don't know what we do, but we're loving everything <laughs> going on. What are you doing in your man caves? What are you doing? What are you doing in your man caves? Exactly. Yeah. Is this that you and Keith do? Uh, we talk to people about the we greatest thing on the planet. About, what else is there? About movies. Do? I mean, what what could be better? Yeah. <laughs> your wives listen to every show. Oh yeah. Uh, From the outside yes, the do. door. Yeah, outside the door. My wife can hear me because I'm I don't exactly have a quiet voice. So she <laughs> hears every episode. <laughs> well, guys, thanks again for having me. And me uh, thanks, Kevin. I, appreciate uh, I hope to see you yet see again. You. Yeah, for yes. sure. Good luck on the things Likewise. you're doing too. Talk to you soon. That was great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, sure. Kevin.
You have. I, I mean, I'm serious. I don't know where, where, how I get to this. I want to just go into your screenings. Is what I should do. I should just go to Hollywood Boulevard. Yes, I recommend you clipboard. Dude. I'd have I'm to sneak you, you in. I'd have Tim, to. I'm telling you, know. you, watching him work with an audience is really it's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, can I make screen, a documentary about you, Kevin? Can I have first, a crew? My my first screening with him, I was just like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> what was? Do you remember what that movie was? Oh, God, I can't remember. I, it might have been, been one of the Kingsmen. I think it was I'm the first Kingsmen. I'm doing his new movie now. Oh, you are? Yeah. 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 I think it might have been Kingsman, the first one. I think it might have been the first his new movie now. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, was, was, just, that was crazy, wasn't it? Oh, God. Yes. He's a and genius. Even with those, he never, be remember a those <laughs> really rough special effects at the end with the things exploding? Oh, yes. Yes, and it was just so brilliant. No, because people were really embracive. They were like, "This is cool." I know, I know. We, we, I, I think that was when we realized, like, well, this is something. I think that's right. Yeah, I think it's like this. This might be something. This that, might be uh, something. Exactly. This might be something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're all a little like, uh, I don't know. And then when we screened it, we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. This was a new franchise. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. All right. Well, listen, guys. Have a great. Uh, rest of the uh, day and, and a you, beautiful you weekend. Likewise, you I too. hope we get to see each other in person soon. Yes. Yeah, enjoy New York City. Maybe we enjoy, enjoy the East Coast. Thanks, guys. All right, All right, take care, Kevin. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.